Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We started with the first, like, 11 verses or so last week, and we're going to just kind of work our way through the beginning of Mark over the next few weeks as well. So last week we read about Jesus being baptized by John, and our story picks up on verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Good morning, church. It is really nice to be here with you today. We are on um, week two of the series I'm calling Building a Ministry. It tracks the beginning parts of Mark, as I mentioned earlier. It's, you know, Mark, Mark is the only one of the four Gospels that doesn't really have any sort of a Christmas story to it. He just hits the ground running. Jesus is a grown-up. He's doing stuff. Boom. And um, he's very brief. He's very intense. And, uh, and so the, the readings we get are, they come at a rapid pace, I would say. Now, we'll set that aside for a minute. I was thinking this week that it is, it's, it's amazing what you can do on your own these days. You know anybody who's got a 3D printer? With a 3D printer, you can make products in your home that you used to have to outsource to a whole factory full of people. It is wild. Somebody with a smartphone and a couple lights can create really professional-looking videos. And it used to be that you had to have cases full of equipment and a whole team of people to do that. Spotify is full of music produced by just one person with a microphone and a computer. And there's so much knowledge out there. I mean... It seems like you can DIY almost anything if you've got a little Googling and a little courage. You can take classes online. You can self-publish your own books. The idea of being a self-made man or a self-made woman, it seems closer than ever to being a reality. Is that good? I don't know. There's some benefits to it. There's a lot less gatekeeping than there used to be, you know? Like, if you want to have an interview show, if you want to do a podcast, let's say, you don't have to have a radio station or a TV station buy your show. You just put up the microphone and do it. And that's pretty cool. But the thing is, people aren't made to go it alone. And I don't mean some people. I mean people. Think back to the Garden of Eden. 
God made all the creatures, made them in pairs, except Adam. He left Adam alone to do his thing. And there in Genesis chapter 2, God looks at Adam and says, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, wives, I know some of you all get nervous when you go out for a ladies' night with your friends and you leave your husband at home. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to come home to. But that's not what we're talking about, right? We're not saying it's bad for the man to be left alone. It's not good for the man to be to be alone. Even in paradise, isolation was not a good thing. But you know, there's a lot of people who are going it alone in their faith. This has been true for a, a long time in America, but it's been especially true since COVID, right? Because a lot of people got used to watching services happen or to listening to sermons online. And some didn't see much point in coming back to church. And then there's another group of people. There's plenty of people in this group. They've, they aren't that interested in, I'm going to air quotes here, organized religion. They would say that they don't need any of that stuff to know God. Or they might even say that, you know, me and God, we have an understanding. You ever heard that? You know, if that's true, boy, that's impressive. Because Jesus didn't go it alone. Jesus went to synagogue. Jesus went to the temple. And more than that, he had a circle of friends. And they were all walking out their faith with him. You know, recruiting a team was one of the first things that Jesus did in his public ministry. Now, when I think about Jesus, I, I, I often think about him as God, right? I think about the divine side of Jesus. And it's true, he is God. But sometimes I forget also that he was fully man. And so when I think about the calling of his disciples... I go to the obvious stuff. Why did he call them? Well, he was teaching them God's word. He was training them how to live out the gospel. Is that true? Yes. yes. But also, they were his friends. It wasn't just a business relationship. These were the people that he could love and then who would love him. This wasn't just a training program. This was a family. And you might think I'm overstating it. Except that there was a time Jesus is sitting down in this room and his biological family shows up and people say, hey, your, your mother and your brothers are at the door. And Jesus says, this is my family. These are my mother and these are my brothers. <coughs> Now, I know a lot of folks who avoid engaging in church, they do so because they have misgivings about the people there. They're hypocrites, they might say, or, or they're judgmental, or they're fake. You look at the team that Jesus put together, he didn't pick perfect people. He didn't even pick, like, 
the obviously qualified people. He didn't pick the ones you'd assume would be the best and the brightest. He had a cross-section of blue-collar and white-collar workers, although his inner circle was those guys we read about today, fishermen. Of the disciples, some were rash and foolish, some were timid and skittish. All of them were in over their heads. None of them really understood what they were doing. None of them lived it consistently every day. But Jesus called them. That's the only way you get to be a disciple, you know, is that Jesus calls you. And not everyone that he called actually followed. It's stories about that too in the Bible. And they had different reasons, you know, I, I got this funeral to do, I got to go say goodbye, I got to go whatever, I got business. They had all different excuses, but underneath it all is the same reason. They didn't follow Jesus because following Jesus means he is the leader, sets the terms, he's in control. And that's still one of the biggest hurdles that people have with following Jesus Jesus doesn't necessarily say what we wish he would say. And he doesn't always go where we want him to go. And he doesn't always ask us to do what we would like to do. And in fact, if your version of following Jesus doesn't challenge your opinions, it doesn't challenge your feelings, it doesn't ask you to give up your preferences, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable... then you might not be following him very closely. If your version of walking out your faith doesn't move you in ways you'd rather not be moved, you might ask yourself if you're actually following him or if you're asking him to follow you. As I look around this church, I see this church that I get to be a part of. I see people with different backgrounds and different opinions different personalities and tastes. We're all over the map economically. We have different levels of education. There's hardly anything that we all have in common, really. But what unites us is of the utmost importance. There are a few things we have in common, you know? Just like those first disciples, Jesus called you to follow him. We all are imperfect sinners. We have that in common. And Jesus knows that, and he called us anyways. What unites us is our need for that Savior. What unites us is the grace of God and 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 the forgiveness and salvation that he offers to us. What unites us is Christ and his mission to love the lost and to spread life and salvation to everyone we can reach. So we're committed to walking together, not just with him, but if we're walking with him, we'll be walking with each other too. Because he's called us to be together. 
We're committed to be uncomfortable if that's what the mission requires. You know, there's a lot of saints who went on before us who were called to a much higher sacrifice than discomfort. And if Jesus calls us to that, well, we'll go there too. Because he's called us to be a welcoming, faith-filled, what? Family. Family. Bringing Christ to the community and the world. That's where he's leading us. And we're going to follow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we repent today of trying to be the leader. And we repent today of not keeping our eyes fixed on you or maybe being stubbornly unwilling to go where you lead. Lord, walking with you is a messy business sometimes. We pray that your Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and insight and clarity, faith and courage to follow where you lead, to go where you send us, to speak what you ask us to speak. Lord, I pray today that you'd grow us together in the weeks, months, years, and decades we have together ahead. Lord, I pray that we would be tight circle, but always open to receiving more. I pray that we'd be a family with open arms to our community and to the world. I pray, Lord, that you would make us people who who sacrifice what it takes for the sake of the mission, who give where you ask us to give, who have hearts for the lost. We thank you so much that when we were lost, you called us, and that you gave all to make us yours. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.